<laughs> I just want to make it clear, like that's not like a new thing for me to say. Uh-huh. I've said that for years. Yep, that's definitely part of my regular vocabulary. Uh-huh. Partly because I am also 13 inside, but also just because it's my favorite way to express that um, action. Yeah. yeah. I. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, welcome to episode 104 of Off the Crossbar. Bring a teddy bear this week to the game. I said I'd mention it off the top. Oh. So do that. Well, I've got to move this in the dock. We're going to kick... Sorry, I didn't even see that. I haven't looked at the dock. Uh, we're going to kick childhood cancer in the gosh dang face by throwing teddy bears uh, on the field when RSL scores first and they score early. So... That... That would be great if that could happen. <laughs> didn't they say, yeah. didn't somebody say that like, if they don't score first or early to just do it at halftime or something like that? Oh, I don't know the rule. I didn't, Wait, I so didn't see that. There's some guaranteed time to throw it on the field. Okay. In the event that RSL doesn't score because I'm not saying RSL can't score, but they, they sometimes don't. <laughs> yeah. Just putting that out I'm kind of nervous. Yeah. Are you yeah. are you guys a little nervous? I'm, I'm more nervous. nervous because of the teddy bears, to be honest. Mm. Tell you what, let's just say at some point somebody is going to throw a teddy bear onto the field. When that it's happens, good. throw your teddy bear onto the field as well. It's going to be like get the really wave. upset about a card or the, a throw in. The idea is that it's going to be after a goal scored by yeah. RSL. So Can if you guys that happens, do that. To me? What's that? Can you guys explain something to me? Why 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 do soccer fans hate the wave? Well, actually, I will say American soccer fans. Why do American soccer fans hate the wave? I thought it was just American fans hate the wave. I thought what but it's like a thing at like football games. Is it? Isn't it? Isn't it? I don't go I, okay, I, I guess well, I don't really know. I guess I thought it was like a younger generation of fans thing cuz I think like high school fans or well like Gen I, I Z swear that happens at like college I think it's games, one of those things. Doesn't it? I don't go yeah, to Yeah, like it does, but like really. predominant attendant attenders of football Attendees. and like college football games where that usually happens are like a little bit older, aren't they? I don't know, man. I was thinking uh, about this because student sections and stuff. I was but. thinking about the wave of teddy bears being thrown. Like if one person started and then it just kind of set off a wave like chain reaction. Exactly. I was thinking about that because when I went to the women's national team game against Colombia, there were a bunch of fans trying to like a bunch of fans who don't normally go to games trying to get the wave going. And they were yelling at Keaton, who was uh, being a he was a capo that day, telling him to help get the wave started. And, he and was they were they were, not. they were appealing to me to be the intermediary, to be like, tell him. <laughs> To get the wave going. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, Keaton, can we please try? <laughs> He's like, all right, we can try. And so we tried a couple of times, didn't didn't catch on. But I told, you know, I told the you fans did I did job. my best. I, d- I did. And they, one of them came and like dapped me up after. He's like, hey, man, appreciate your hard work back appreciate there. I was like, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, no problem. Sorry. I, you know, am just me, but you know, it you seemed like people apologize for being you. That's true. I d- I did probably that day though. I it didn't seem like the fans. Well, 
by measure of them not doing it, but also just the general attitude <laughs> prior to the not doing it, which I technically was continuous. They're, they're not doing it started when they got there, actually. But at some point, there was a conscious decision to not do it, but they never did do it. So Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I hate the wave because I also hate fun, just of all sorts. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So and, we do this uh, podcast. I, I make no secret of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer to be grumpy, I think, maybe. I think I don't that's know. true. Um, you know, but I mean, generally speaking, like, for me, I'm I'm trying to focus on the game and it's I don't know. It's a distraction, of course. Yeah, in a sport where there are more interruptions, right? Uh, I think it's totally fine. Go for mm. it. Do it during a football yeah. game, during okay. second down. Or, <laughs> is that a I, thing that happens? Second they do down. Yeah, they do it down. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like I don't like it at soccer games. And I, I think the reason I don't like it at soccer games is because whenever it's done at soccer games, at least on TV, they refer to it as a Mexican wave because it's usually a British guy talking about it and they don't know or care that it's like a definitely American thing. Mm -hmm. And so I have that weird connotation that like they do the wave and then I can imagine somebody saying, oh, look, the Mexican wave going around Rio Tinto Stadium. And I hate that it's called the Mexican wave. I think that's really all it is. Because if I go to a football game, like a BYU game or something like that, We'll do the wave. That's fine. I'll stand up and yeah. participate because whatever. I don't care. Okay. But I I think that's what it is. I don't like oh. it at RSL games, but I don't mind it at like basketball games or football games or anything like that. Okay. So it's known as the Mexican wave apparently because it was first seen around the world during the, the 86 World, World Cup. Yeah. In, in the Mexico know. World Cup. Oh. Right. So it makes sense, but like that's not where like it didn't come from Mexico. Yeah. It came, came from the U.S. apparently. Yeah. Doing it in Mexico. Okay, I see. All right. Well, listen. Uh, if some just, I'm just asking people to be a little agreeable sometimes. Huh? How about that? But I will say, um, I before I forget, I was just thinking about this because my mom will text me feedback about the podcast, and then I forget mm-hmm. to relay it back to you guys. Okay. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but my mom said, "Hilarious Trevor's throat story. Tell him it's all that creamy milk." <laughs> So yeah, you you uh, told me that. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> sorry, I can't, I can't remember. Me. I don't remember uh, if you said that on the pod, but all right, well that I that was a good one. I heard it too. So and maybe then, it was at a game or something. Oh uh, yeah, it, it made it the game or the Slack, I think. Okay, so she also said, forgot to mention about your hundredth episode that I loved. You could hear the crickets in the background pretty much the whole time. Somebody else mentioned this. Um, I actually didn't. I I didn't listen to that episode. Uh, cause I was, I just was there. I was, I was part of it. So I, yeah. uh, I did, I, sometimes I was, I, I don't like listening to myself. So, um, she said, I loved it. I realized I haven't taken time to smell the roses or listen to the crickets at night with summer being so hot and sleeping with our windows closed. I realized I've been missing out. We slept with our windows open last night. So early, so early this morning, I heard the crickets. It's a great sound, which I thought was just delightful. Yeah. That's um, great. love that. And then, um, my mom also said, uh, she loves hearing about the amazing food that Matt creates. And one time she was at a Thai restaurant with a family friend who ordered larb at a Thai rest at that restaurant. And she hated the name. So she thought it was probably gross because larb is a weird, <laughs> it is a weird, <laughs> it's name. true. It's an unappetizing um, word. And then Trevor, she uh, loved the descriptions of your week in life. We were laughing about how you said, 
you're just like, oh my gosh, like so busy, like it's been nonstop. And then Matt and I were like, oh yeah, what have you been up to? And you're like, no, nah, not much. <laughs> that was that was awesome. <laughs> loved that. But she uh, loved you talking about movies with with Charlie. Um, and she said, if she had the attention span, she would like to venture out and watch Hot Fuzz. Uh, but she can't. So she was watching American Ninja Warrior National Finals on while she was working on her computer. So uninspired. But she loved the thunder outside that was happening while that was going on. So anyway, so there's there's my mom's updates for you guys that I for, keep forgetting to pass on. Also, Matt, you left uh, your chocolate knife over there that I keep forgetting to bring to you. But the problem is I can't really bring it to a game because you can't bring a knife. Because it's a knife. Yeah, that's true. They yeah. normally they tell me, do you have any knives on you? And I say no. And maybe one time I can say yes, but they actually, I could, what's, what's the worst that could happen? Honestly, you, I could, I could sneak a knife in there pretty, pretty easily. I, I mean, what, what if you just brought it in your car and then we exchanged it at our cars? I'm going to sneak it in. <laughs> I, think, I think we'd have to get Wait, it inside the stadium. It. Like. Uh yeah okay well I'm not gonna expand too much on my plans but <laughs> this is on record but anyway you could do like the um what was it I think it was a bunch of Italian fans or maybe it was like Romanian fans Turkish fans anyway there's a clip on um one of the sports talk channels from whatever country it was in and the guy was talking to the fans about. I feel like it was Turkey because they were talking about flares and how like they might be banned in stadiums and like, yeah. how do you get them in after they search for you? Like search you mm-hmm. for them. I mean, and the dude was like, Oh, we can get flares anywhere we want. Flares are very easy to sneak in. And the guy was like, well, how do you do it? And then the guy like pulled out two flares and he was like, see, I can get flares wherever I want. And he like lit them off inside <laughs> the news studio. Like while he's talking to the guy. It was hilarious. I mean, realistically, That's they awesome. probably didn't search him at the news studio. That's probably Which makes it even funnier. <laughs> That's awesome. Just bringing him with you for that interview. That rules. Yeah. Just a bit uh, of bravado. Yeah. Anyway, so I might be giving that back to you very soon. <laughs> as soon as this Wednesday, as late as another day. But yeah, sounds good. I have one thing before we get to social hour. Okay. What's that? Uh, this is from the Wikipedia article about the wave. Um, okay. This is just a great two lines. When the gap in seating is narrow, the wave can sometimes pass through it. <laughs> Usually only one wave crest will be present at any given time in an, in an arena. Although simultaneous counter rotating waves have been produced. And I'll have you know, there is a citation for that. <laughs> Is it a video or an article? It's an article. That's so awesome. Do you guys follow um, a blogspot article? uh, Do you guys follow Depths of of Wikipedia? Depths of Wikipedia? No. It's very good. It's a great Wikipedia account. It's this girl named Annie. Annie. She runs this. Depths of Wikipedia. Oh, they have a million followers now. Um, so Annie runs this account and she's just like an, like a Wikipedia wizard and finds like the best Wikipedia articles and like posts. And she's also an editor or editor on there. I don't know. Um, anyway, so Matt social hour, I was going to ask you before we started recording what movie you saw, but I wanted to save it and I wanted to be surprised so everyone could hear the shock, the genuine shock and awe in my voice. Oh, are you going to be shocked about this? So I went and saw an anime. Okay. Cue the shock. I'm, I'm not shocked. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, Only Yesterday, which is a 1991 Studio Ghibli film. 
uh, not oh. directed by Miyazaki. It's uh, Isao Takahata, who was the director and writer. And uh, it was it was really good. Like nice. um, when you think about Studio Ghibli films, you're probably thinking about like some sort of fantastical, magical realist type setting, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. sort of the the hallmark. Uh, but this is not that at all. So don't go in with that expectation. Okay. Um, it's a like a very pastoral film, uh, very slow in some ways. Uh, not not entirely connected all the time, but okay. it worked really well. Um, Which theater kind of, did you see this at? Uh, the Sugar House Cinemark. Are they just? Do they just have like a rotating cast of anime playing? Yeah, I think it's through Fathom Events. They just okay. bring in movies. And yeah, so is with, it just like a one-off? They play it for like the weekend well, or something so like that. So Fathom, it, it Fathom essentially is is like trying to fill the void of of what this summer has been theatrically because it's been a it's been a relatively really weak summer as far as movies go um according to the movie podcast i listen to and basic and also my own experiences of not seeing very many things but um yeah so fathom is doing uh they do things like that like when i saw the thing john carpenter's the thing in theaters a couple months ago or a month ago whatever that was a fathom thing. So anytime like those old movies are coming back into theaters or whatever, uh, it's usually put on by fathom, which I really like. Honestly, I, yeah. I think that's a cool thing, especially when we have these gigantic like mega movie theaters that are not being filled up by the amount. I mean, Top Gun Mavericks in back in theaters for like the third time right now. So yeah, yeah. I saw um, Spider-Man something way home, whichever I forgot the title. <laughs> Spider-Man's way, way home. home. No way home. Well, that those are two Spider-Man different movies, actually. Oh no! Long way. Um, home. Wait. <laughs> Hold on. Spider-Man Way Home. No way home. I yeah, but then there don't also know what is... you guys are talking about because I stopped paying attention to Spider-Man movies after the Perfect Trilogy came out. Uh, the Sam Raimi ones. That, yeah, and thought that everything oh. after that was pointless. Okay, wait. Sp- there was Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, and then No Way Home. Yeah, the three most yeah. recent ones have no home in the names. It's uh, which very disconcerting. I, wait, Trevor, did you even see uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the animated one? That was a great one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw really, that one. Yeah, that, that was one a really was good one. Fantastic. I loved that. and there, Really, really liked that one. Another thing about movies this year is that so many of them have been were scheduled for release and have been canceled or pushed back indefinitely. So it's it's just a weird, it's a weird year. And we thought I was thinking movies were back after I saw Top Gun Maverick and I was like, movies are back, baby. Well, and that's kind of my understanding, which is, you know, is what it is. Um, Like COVID obviously shut down like movie productions, like almost completely for a very long time. And Top Gun was set to be released like the summer of 2020. Yeah, I thought. So it was like a done movie and they were just about to release it. And COVID hit, and they were like, "Well, forget it." And then and they I reshot like, stuff too. Also, yeah, like they, yeah, they were they, they were even more persnickety. They did a little bit more to it, and so I think during like most of 2020 and a lot of 2021, there just weren't movies being made. And I feel like we're going to be like now that everything's you know back to normal or whatever, then we're starting to get the movies that were going to come out during COVID. And there's just going to be like a year, I feel like, 
a year, year and a half gap between like getting back into making movies because they just didn't make movies for a year or two. That's true, but there's also like a weird the uh, the dynamic of streaming. There's been an overcorrection in streaming. Yes. I agree and with that as well. I don't know. We I think I think you're right. We'll see a bounce back. There's like a few different factors. It's COVID. It's streaming, and streaming services buying movies. Uh, like them making the like the decision to be like, you know, we're just going to put this out. Like it's not even worth us worth it for us to do a run. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very weird. Uh, we've got some weird stuff going on. Um, I listened to the big picture on the ringer podcast with Sean Fennessy. It's very good. Um, but anyway, so I listened to that and he, he has a lot of good thoughts on on the topic, but, um, yeah, so I like fathom doing, I like fathom filling the gaps because yeah, somebody has to, but yeah, yeah. during, during COVID you mentioned, um, streaming services like buying movies like movies premiering like on disney plus mm-hmm. and on netflix and, and hulu and stuff like that's not happening as much anymore but it's still kind of yeah. happening there's still like movies pred- being like, like released predator movie being a hulu movie was so weird and like yeah i i get the convenience factor of wanting to watch things at home but let me tell you buddy seeing like jordan peele's nope in xd or imax or whatever infinitely worth it for like the five dollar tuesday or whatever i think i did see it on a tuesday it was five bucks man to see that it was just an incredible experience even if like you don't think it was like a perfect movie it was just like man wow well, i think love, just, like, love the theater there's the staying at home bit but i think you also kind of have to like retrain consumers to be happy spending forty dollars to have two people go watch a movie yeah because well, like during Tuesdays, COVID, man. it was like you just have your Netflix and your Hulu and you just go watch it whenever you want and you sure. get popcorn from the store. So watching a movie costs $2. Yeah. But to go see it in a theater, like it, with two people, popcorn, drinks and stuff, like easily gets to be like 40 bucks. Yeah, that's Which why you got it. kind of sucks, but also like that's, that's movies, dude. But the $5 Tuesday, Trevor, everywhere does $5 Tuesdays. Oh, no, for sure. Uh, it's cheap. It's pretty empty and it hasn't oh also i'm on the waiting list for movie pass a little more details keep leaking out about it i still i'm still not i don't think it's going to be worth it whatever they decide to do but like you know when we were talking about the idea of credits so there's different tiers and you get certain amount of credits for each tier apparently like seeing a movie on like a premiere weekend one movie would be multiple credits so like there's that added dynamic of like different movies costing different number of credits which listen i don't know about that so we'll see i'm i'm like it's obviously not going to be what it was because what it was was just like one of the most ridiculous things that's ever been invented but matt sorry continue telling us this is good i have one one last thought on kind of the dynamic here is you know you get a lot of movies that have premiered and people are seeing what once maybe after it's been eight weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think by opening that, so instead of show, having to show that you know, four times in a day to try to recoup your money, you show it once, show it twice, get whatever you can out of that. Um, but then you get the opportunity to switch it out super easy, right? With digital. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's been really good. Excuse me. I'm going to take a sip of this tea. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Sure. I took a sip of my drink as well. Sorry. Uh, anyway. All right. I'm yeah. Good. 
so what else have you been up to, Matt? Uh, let's see. I made LARB last podcast. What have I made That's this right. podcast? Um, I made some more. Oh, I made Chili Verde. Had Sarah and Colin over. Played some games. Yum. That fun. was a, a great time. I took, you made um, that. Uh, I meant to tell you, you you made the. Um, you called it something, and I don't know oh, what you called it. A cheese crisp. That guy, the cheese crisp. Yes. yes and I, I was going to tell you that, that, like, we did the same thing, but we always called it nachos. Like that was our uh, version of like homemade nachos. Was we would just oh, do like it. corn tortillas or like corn tortilla chips. Oh yeah, yeah. Covered with cheddar cheese and just put under the broiler for like five minutes. Pull it out. And oh, like that's yeah. nachos. My, my mom would do that too. Yeah. So so it's an Arizona cheese crisp, and they're usually done with flour tortillas, oh, like a burrito sized tortilla. That's right. That's funny that you mentioned that because my coworker who lives in Scottsdale, she mentioned that she was talking yeah. about how they made her she made their why is that like a phoenix area thing what's what's the deal yeah, so it's it's not even really a phoenix area thing um what i was reading about is that it, it probably originated in tucson okay um but it's also a staple of globe mexican food and i don't know if we've talked about that on the podcast i don't think globe we have mexican food so there's a town in arizona called globe and it's next to a town called miami and it's this little <laughs> yeah. like these these two conjoined mining towns and they're they're certainly not like tiny tiny but they are small um but at the same time like despite having actually i'm going to look up uh globe az population uh 8000 so all together with penal and miami and globe you're looking at maybe 15000 people max but it's this very specific mexican cuisine it's like a subset um, or in some some ways separate from Sonoran Mexican, which is also like different than what we get sure. here, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's it's really interesting. But the cheese crisp is, you know, one of those things. Uh, they also call burritos burros there. <laughs> and if you're in Arizona, you see that that's just like it's you're at one of the few places where they use that term. Hold on. It's very confusing That's to me. Fascinating. Can I Spanish language expert over here? Yeah. Is it because they're bigger? Uh, n- I mean, not necessarily. Which because Ito means like smaller when you put yeah. on the so like anyway. Yeah, I mean, this I, guy is an expert. I don't know the uh, <laughs> the whole the whole reasoning behind it, but uh, they can That's come in a variety of sizes. Okay. And you'll get some of that up in the Phoenix Valley and the Mesa Valley and over in Scottsdale. But really, the further south, further east you get, the more you see that. And I think it's really interesting, like these micro like food biomes almost. There's a word I'm looking for. Cuisine, like a micro cuisine almost. Yeah, Yeah. there was something that I was reading and they were talking about. um, It wasn't specifically about food, but it was talking about the... um, how the internet has like changed how we exist, obviously, but how it's like gotten rid of a lot of like really localized things. They're talking about newspapers and how like your local newspaper now um, covers like a lot more national stories. And it talks a lot more about national stories instead of talking about like what's happening down the street. It used to be a lot of them are just like on the wire, you know? Yeah. It it seems like newspapers 20 years ago were talking about like what's happening in your town and in your community and almost nothing else. And the only time it would mention like national stuff. What's that? 
I've got bad news about how long 20 years, 40, whatever. There used to be a time Uh when newspapers talked about local (laughs) stuff and everything stayed local and you just had local stuff. And now with the advent of the internet, that's kind of gone away and there's not really like regional things and whatever regional things there are, like, for example, a pastrami burger from Utah, like they have them all over the place, even though like it is definitely like a Utah thing and it's recognized as a Utah thing. And there's a mm-hmm. history to it that's very interesting, but like you can go to California and get a pastrami burger and you can go, you know, all over the place and get a pastrami burger. It's and true. Yeah. It's just like you have these like localized things that come from one place and there's a cool history to it, but like it's not really a thing as much. 20 anymore. years ago was also 1980, but yeah. Nope. Oh, so, so one thing I'll tie this back into soccer. 1980 was like 40 years ago. It feels, feels like 1980 was 20 years ago. Yeah. I know. Uh, so speaking of like the pastrami burger, like there's yeah. an interesting soccer tie in there where, uh, so, so it was, you know, Greek people living in the Salt Lake Valley, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, created pastrami burgers and that's why you get euros at crown burger and yeah yeah and lemon rice and and all that and i think it's great um but it was a a greek owner of uh the salt lake golden spikers yeah i was gonna oh. say he like owned a local team or ran a local team look what i got right here it's my golden oh, it's spike beautiful mine's in the other room or i'd show it off to asl uh, and American they were Sign coached by a, a former olympiacos player like so just an interesting tie in there that like we forget about that now because that's so cool. It's just not how it is. We think of Salt Lake very differently. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's how. Does Crown Burger have there. lemon rice? Is that what you said? Uh, I don't know if Crown uh, Burger does. But I know, I know what maybe Apollo like Apollo Burger does. That's, that's cool. I love lemon but Crown rice. Burger definitely has euros. Yeah. And they yeah. definitely have. Uh, is it? Um, what are they called? I'm not thinking of souvlaki. I'm thinking of the other. The grape leaves? Do they have that one? I have oh, no idea. Uh, the like things wrapped in the grape leaves. Yeah, yeah they have a couple almost. little like Greek treats almost. as well. Oh, yeah. Crown burger. Maybe. Anyway, any other any other updates, Matt? No, not particularly. I mean, I'm sure there were other things I did, but uh, yeah, I did update the form guide, so there's more stuff there. Nice. And I've got a, a big update coming soon. Trevor, what's going on with you? Baklava, Greek salad. <laughs> nope, they don't have the thing I thought. They do have souvlaki. I thought they... Oh, rice pilaf. That's what's on the menu. Anyway. Astro uh, does have lemon rice. Yeah, what is up with you? We, uh... we You mentioned Prey. We watched Prey this weekend. You like it? Um, it I adore it. It was it's great. Pretty, pretty um, cool. Really, really good movie. Um, this weekend was very much... I was talking to a coworker about it. I usually... In the past, try to do. I had a three day weekend because I was on call all last week, mm-hmm. as we talked about. Um, and I usually try to make three day weekends like into like a very busy weekend and take advantage of the extra day and like do all that. Try to like fill it with stuff, or I'll just have the very laziest of weekends. And that's kind of what this past weekend was. Um, that's pretty nice. So I went and got a haircut on friday which was nice and i was talking to the barber and he was talking about prey and i was just telling him that we didn't have any plans and he's like get tell you what get a pizza watch prey it's a great (laughs) great movie do that tonight those are your plans and i was like perfect sounds great so we ordered some dominoes and i invited charlie to watch prey 
And Charlie asked me what it was about. And I haven't seen much of the old Predators. I've seen like bits and pieces here and there. And I was like, it's probably going to be pretty violent. It's about an alien that hunts humans. And like, that's what he does. Yeah. But I don't know much else about that, except that this one takes place in like the 1700s with Native Americans. Oh, it's an alien that that's his day job, right? I don't know. I don't know if he gets paid to do this. I imagine. I think does. it's more of a hobby, to be honest. It seems, I mean, <laughs> the tech is pretty cool, I guess. So Yeah. Someone's anyway, financing this operation. <laughs> I told Charlie about it, and Charlie was not at all interested in watching it. <laughs> so I ended up watching it myself, and it was fantastic. It's great. He yeah, it's cool. fights a bear in the <laughs> first right. little bit and just absolutely destroys it. And it's one of the coolest, like, that scene it's is not sweet. a big, long, drawn-out, like, fight scene. It legitimately lasts, like, maybe a minute, but it really yeah. sets up the whole, like, hunter killer theme who the, like who really the real well. predator is yeah exactly you're like oh this is what they're fighting and they're they've got bows and arrows cool that's right but it's a great yeah. movie definitely recommend it go watch prey and right. then i kind of nerded out all saturday morning and sunday morning um watched a bunch of professional counter-strike because their fall season just began and so they're getting back into all the cool tournaments and stuff that they do really cool if you're into that kind of stuff which and these days i am so <laughs> uh, i'll save man. you guys all the talking about all that it's all very interesting but only if you actually care and i know that we've got like two people that listen to this that would even know what i'm talking about <laughs> so i'll save it but it was a lot of fun that's what i did i watched a lot of professional counter-strike and watched prey and that was my weekend it was just mostly sitting in front of a tv it was great Yes, I, I had the I had a weird weekend. Tell us all about it. it. You ready for this? Okay. Yep. So I was supposed to go on a backpacking trip last weekend with my dad and my brother. Due to some unforeseen circumstances, I couldn't go. Uh, and uh, basically, my heart is still kind of weird, and so being that far remote in uh, the Wind River Range was a bad idea. Uh, anyway, so I had to do something different, but I want, well, I didn't have to, but I had a day off of work that I wanted to take advantage of. Um, and so I decided to <laughs> go on a solo trip to Glacier National Park <laughs> and I drove, I did that all by myself. It was fun. So I went to, I drove to Missoula, stayed, um, around town that first night and then, uh, left in the morning and, uh, one, first of all, uh, went to a great coffee shop called Clyde coffee in Montana or in Missoula. And it was great. Uh, next place that I went to, uh, this vegan gluten-free bakery mm. called, uh, uh, <laughs> looking it up cause I want to plug it. Tandem, Tandem bakery and cafe. Uh, had went, went super carb heavy. <laughs> I was putting on, I was carb, I was carbo loading, carb load, whatever. Right. And not, not intentionally. It just sounded good. So I had some really delicious toast, like butter toast and jam again, all vegan, all gluten-free. It was delicious. Mm -hmm. And then had a cinnamon sugar donut as well. And it was great. And I'm with, it was, and they have a, they have like a lunch and they have a lunch and brunch menu. Uh, like biscuits and gravy and everything. I got to try that next time I'm there. But just really, really great food. I was very, very pleased. Um, 
yeah, so that was super cool. I, I got to do that before heading out. So I went out of town, uh, drove, drove a couple hours north. Uh, <laughs> and oh, and so I had to get a, I, I got a reservation for the going to the Sun Road the day before. It's it's kind of tricky. So if you have like a reservation in the park for something like camping or uh, lodging or something, they you get a you get a pass. So I actually did have a reservation at a campground or at a at a cabin, but I also got a reservation using like the lottery system the day before I left, which was so I was extra I was extra taken care of, which was good. But anyway, I did the going to the Sun Road, which is the it's the road that goes through the east and the the west and east parts of the park. Uh, connects the two or otherwise you have to drive all the way around uh, Colin when he was on here talking about when he went earlier in the year it was still closed it's usually closed pretty late into the year sometimes as late as early July I think wow. Colin went in June if I remember correctly um, but yeah so just an incredible incredible like national park just w- one of the best and I uh, went on a really lovely hike that evening. I waited out some rain uh, and some incredible lightning, just really dramatic weather, lightning and incredibly loud thunder, fog rolling in and out, amazing clouds. And anyway, it was great. Uh, saw a lot of animals in the park. I saw a lot of bears. I saw four bears while I was there, all black bears. And then mm. I saw a really cool mountain goat uh, that was just like following me around on the trail for like 45 minutes was kind of scary because uh, he was flexing on me like a mountain goat does, but it was cool. It was being chill. Uh, I saw some bighorn sheep. It was great. So that was lovely. And then uh, that evening I stayed in a cabin. So this was Friday evening on the east side of the park. So I drove down the rest of the going to the sun road, went to the cabin. Um, and then like the most like the loudest rain and lightning and thunder rolled in and i just was i was loving it so i was just by myself in this cabin which i later thought was haunted due to a moth situation which i might not go into great detail <laughs> but uh, i love that <laughs> there was wouldn't. there was a whole thing there when i was going to bed but anyway uh and then yeah and then saturday i uh drove back or i did some stuff on the east side of the park did another hike um and when I was when I was doing one of the hikes, there was a this couple I was talking to, and they had been backpacking in one of the. Uh, sorry, unplug my headphones. I'll plug it back we'll in. talk amongst ourselves while you plug it back in. I and there you are. So they uh, they had been hiking it or backpacking in part of the park, and they had gone into this uh, lake called Upper Two Medicine, and they were with a group of about six or seven, I think they said, and there was a grizzly bear that rolled into their campsite and was like kind of chased them out. And like, they were, <laughs> they kind of left a bunch of stuff and then were away from the camp waiting for it to go away. Um, the grizzly bear ended up, ended up getting distracted by three moose, which, uh, it killed two of them. One of them in front of like one, they killed, it killed one of the moose. And then the other two like ran into the lake and it chased them into the lake and killed another one in the lake, like swam after it. Insane. So, uh, that is that just like incredible, actually and, like David Attenborough type stuff. Yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. believe they were telling me that and they were like, yeah, we didn't end up camping there that night. We like had, and, and they ended up like when that type of thing happens in the national park, they close trails. Um, and they've had a lot of like pretty crazy bear activity, I guess this year, which brings me to Saturday when I was going to a couple of the spots where I was planning on camping on Saturday in between missoula and glacier uh in an area called the flathead valley there's some really cool 
like tiny, tiny towns in the Flathead Valley, south of Flathead Lake called Ronan and uh, St. Ignatius. And there's a there's a Lake McDonald. That's not the Lake McDonald and Glacier. And there's Mission Reservoir were the two places I had picked out. So Lake McDonald was a little tricky. There was a bridge that was closed uh, that had like broken down and I found a different way to get to the lake. And when I was there, I saw a couple of black bears <laughs> at the spot I was planning on camping at. So I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. So I went to the second spot and I was I like parked and I was like eating my I was eating some food that I was had just cooked up on my jet boil, of course. Mm. And the uh, it's on tribal land and the tribal cop dude came up to me and he was like, hey, uh, so there's a grizzly bear <laughs> that won't leave. And he's been here around all day. So, so I, don't know if you're planning, I don't know if you plan on camping, but you shouldn't. And I was like, sick. OK, so then I just gave up and went and got a hotel in Missoula. <laughs> so I did that on Saturday and they had a music festival that was going on in town. Uh, I ended up at that and it was really fun. I went to the hotel gym. That was really fun. And then I went to this really good Brazilian restaurant, like a fast casual Brazilian place called five on black or something. five on black, which is like, I think that's a, is that a whatever a roulette thing, Trevor? I don't know. It's it's a gambling reference. There's several games that it could apply to. Okay, cool. All right. Well, anyway, uh, all gluten-free, like the Brazilians are very, uh, very friendly, I guess, in, huh. in certain ways. So that was great. It was a dedicated GF facility. And the only thing with dairy in it was those cheese breads thing, which I did not get, yep. which I know are delicious. But um, I got a really, really, really good bowl with like some collard greens, some marinated steak, uh, a, like just I got brown rice, a bunch of really good sauces and like pico. It was great. Anyway. Yeah, I'm looking at the menu and it looks tremendous. I really whew, I was I was and that's so and while I was eating that, I was watching the RSL game. Uh, I did. I did watch the RSL game d- during all of this. So. Um, yeah, then I drove home Sunday and it was a solid little, uh, seven hour drive by myself. It was great. Uh, I got a little sleepy cause I didn't sleep well through most of this trip. I slept well, the haunted thing. Anyway, again, a story for another time. We're like 40 minutes in, but yeah, literally so, true. but uh, to be fair, we started with a soccer thing at the beginning. So that's true. That, that is true. It's been a while on the Mexican wave. Um, Yeah. But anyway, so before great little, leave, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, before we leave Glacier National Park, I've been reading up on this road. Can I just read one or two sentences about this Please. road? Yeah, it's You're really talking cool. about how it's closed most of the year, right? Uh, probably it's open probably solidly July through September. That's it. So this goes through Logan Pass. Yep. That's towards where I did the, the Sun Mountain. Up to 80 feet of snow can lie on top of Logan Pass and more just east of the pass where the deepest snowfield has long been referred to as the Big Drift. The road takes about 10 weeks to plow, even with equipment that can move 4,000 tons of snow in an hour. Yep. The snowplow crew can clear as little as 500 feet of the road per day. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like, it's insane. insane. The last time I was there... Uh, it was 2018 and I was there with some friends. We had just seen Bon Iver at a really incredible outdoor venue in Missoula called the Kettle House Amphitheater. And it was like raining and foggy and it was a very uh, emotional experience. But we biked the going to the sun road and 
the key to biking it is you do it before it's open to cars, but after they've like finished like plowing the snow and there's not enough, there's not snow on the road anymore. Really? There's still like rocks and debris sometimes, but like it's not open to cars yet. Cause it's like opening this road isn't, is a gigantic overhaul, uh, every single year. So that's like the little window of when you want to do it. And when we got to the top of, uh, Logan pass, there was still so much snow up there that you could walk onto the visitor center. That's up at the top there just from the snow. And my friends and I, like we brought skis as well. And, uh, skinned up the snow a little bit and we're skiing around just after biking up to the top here just because there's still so much snow and that was in June. So um, like you think about how like how Albion Basin, for instance, still has a lot of snow. Uh, yeah. Elevation's a little bit lower there, but like they get so much snow. It's it's like it's just unbelievable. And I mean, there's still plenty of snow up there right now because I mean, it's Glacier National Park. They're still they are losing the glaciers due to climate change, but there are still glaciers and they have snow year round so it's pretty wild but anyway the more so i hear yeah. about this place the more incredible it sounds and the more i regret having not been there yet in my life you have I to need to, you get have to go you know yeah. sounds awesome. we we could go in about a year for a 150th episode spectacular <laughs> that's a really good idea Let's, should we start writing these down i'm gonna uh, put that in the dock and then episode we'll just put... 150 glacier national Park. i will also mention that uh flying to somewhere like uh kalispell for instance is generally like not super expensive out of salt lake in case you didn't want to make the the nearly 10 hour drive yeah it's about a 10 hour drive to the opening of the park from here okay um but you fly I to kalispell and like 45 minutes yeah i mean i'm fine i listen i that that drive was fine for me, but I uh but man, I like forgot. Sometimes I forget how just like completely rural it is. I mean, like between Butte, Montana and Salt Lake, it's only Idaho Falls. Everything other than that is like just the smallest town you've ever seen. So um <laughs> like you it's like next exit 35 miles, next services 55 miles. It's just like it's crazy. So that's just like always the thing I'm reminded by where it's just like, dude, there's nothing out there for just hundreds of miles. But anyway, currently, currently flights are high priced for that trip. It's about yeah. 600 bucks or more. No, that's I, I, there were dates I was looking at a few months ago for Kalispell that were like sub 300. They were like 250. Oh. And I was like, Ooh, it's not I'm looking for like two weeks from now. So I'm sure that plays a bit. Yeah. That'll play part. a bit of a Delta. Big, as well yeah yeah it'll play a big part of that but um yeah highly recommend and it's like honestly seven hour drive to missoula and then the drive from there up to the park isn't bad either i mean and it's really pretty uh the drive from missoula to glacier is just like an amazing drive you drive like every bit of that is so beautiful uh you drive alongside the flathead lake it's just it's spectacular and then as soon as you're done with that you're basically just on a stretch into glacier national park and that's all really pretty too so can't really go wrong if you ask me but you know you didn't trevor but i told you anyway well i appreciate that well what is this body of water that run oh my goodness this is so big so flathead lake <laughs> flathead national spot. forest directly north of that there's what looks like a really tall skinny lake what is this is it flathead lake 
North North uh, east of Flathead Lake. Northeast of Flathead Lake. Are you looking at Lake McDonald? I have no idea. Could be. Is Um, it a really long flat lake? I see what you're talking about. Uh, This is Hungry Horse Reservoir is what you're talking about. Hungry Horse Reservoir. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I drove through Hungry Horse, didn't really spend time there, but I know they've got some good restaurants over there. There's just like, there's good stuff over there. Um, That looks like the longest lake in the world. It's not. That's a very skinny long lake. You're right. But yeah, I haven't been over to Hungry Horse. I don't know anything about it. All right, so, should we uh, get to the soccer? Yeah, we'll have everyone know that Matt added episode 150 to our uh, document, so it's been solidified. It's going to be inconvenient to continuously create episodes right below this, but I like that it's on here, and I think we should keep yeah, it. I think we should too, but uh, yeah, I agree. As long <laughs> as we don't add too much to the episode 150, it'll, it should be fine. I think so too. Yeah. Um, right, well. News uh, and rumors? News and rumors. Um, there's not a lot. To be clear, uh, <laughs> Brian Oviedo made his first appearance. That's that was, that's about where we're at for news and rumors. That was good. Uh, we're we're pulling from the match. Uh, there's no injury news uh, quite yet. I don't think we saw anything in the game that gave us pause. Uh, and and certainly, it's good to see that RSL has avoided the injury crisis of early in the season. Yeah, and got him out of the way. We still, of course, have Bobby Wood and Demir Krylik, uh, who no one imagines will play in this game. Um, Musovski, I think, would probably be a stretch as well. But do you think knows? he'll make eighteen for this one? He was questionable he was, leading up to this last one, right? Yeah, I'm he was gonna, questionable I'm go in the last week. one. Okay, I'm going to say not this one, but the next one. Is it? It's sense. only two days, really, but three days of between time. So I don't know. Uh, and then other than that, we've got, uh, Trevor, do you want to talk about your item, your, your report on a oh, podcast report. report? It's not like, it's not quite a book much... report, but. Well, it was, I mean, you basically assigned it as homework. Um, yeah, I'm looking that for was not my intention. one thing and it should be right there. Holy cow. I'm cruising Trey's timeline. So did his book just come out in the thing. United States? Is that what the deal is? No, I think it comes out in, uh, October. So well, anyway, okay. he did he did an interview. Natum Onuoha did an interview with uh, Grant Wall, famous um, friend of Trevor Brady. Yeah, <laughs> close personal friends. Um, no, I did an interview with Grant Wall. Um, it's available on Grant Wall's podcast for free. Um, Grant Wall transcribed it and put it on his website, which you got to pay to see. But uh, anyway, it was nothing really super breaking or noteworthy really came out of it. It was a really good interview um, that he did. Definitely recommend listening to it. Natum's incredible. um, As we all know, he talks a lot about uh, like his upbringing and how his upbringing was a little bit different um, to the, a lot of other professional footballers. He talked about how um, usually professionals, well, the school system in England is a little bit different. So you grow up and once you hit about 16, 17, you can just kind of leave school and go to, like trade schools or just go straight into the workforce or you can go to like university and start getting more specialized in your education from that point. And most professionals just go like into an academy system um, at about 16, 17 and pursue a soccer career professionally at that point. He talked about how he 
did that, but then also went to college and went to university and was going to school at the same time. Um, he was one of the only kids that was doing that kind of thing. He talked about how his parents are very well educated and, and worked really hard to give him everything that he had as a kid and how he really appreciates that. Um, he did talk a lot about, not a lot, but he talked a little bit about uh, his time with RSL and like learning about MLS and going into detail there and how MLS works and just the mentality of um, how some of the players in MLS or, or the league itself and the fans kind of treat the playoffs as the most important thing. And once you get into the playoffs, he talked about how incredible that was. Um, as a player, it's just a completely different like feeling getting through the season. And he thought it was unacceptable to, like root for sixth place, but that got you into a playoff spot and he understood that. <laughs> And talked about how <laughs> it was a little weird, like wrapping his mind around that. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, then he went into detail about the Zlatani Ibrahimovic incident a little bit. Um, I don't know if this is news. I think a, a lot of us kind of knew this already. But one thing he mentioned and made clear was um, he went. He he didn't like Zlatan's treatment of MLS when he was here. And how Zlatan was just doing Zlatan stuff where he was talking about he was a lion among sheep or whatever. And he was the greatest player uh. in the world and MLS is so easy and, and all that stuff. He took that really personally and felt like that was Zlatan like insulting all of the other players and not just Zlatan building himself up. Um, he thought it was a really bad attitude. And that was part of what led to like their altercation on the field. Um, and he talked about how a lot of the people around the league didn't seem to be upset or offended by his Latan saying all these things and how he went into the locker room and was like, no, this is a guy that's like, he's insulting you. This isn't him just talking about himself. He's just insulting you and calling you all bad players. You should not like this guy. You should yeah. hate this guy. In fact. And then the whole altercation happened on the field and, and post game and all that. And he said uh, how furious he was during that game. And after that game, um, cause Latan scored a winner in that game. And then five or 10 minutes after the game was over, uh, Sam Johnson an RSL player went over to Zlatan and like wanted to get a picture with him and like just was fanboying over Zlatan and how he thought that <laughs> was Brady out there on the field. <laughs> how he thought that was incredibly inappropriate and just like drove him nuts. But, um, no, anyway, it was a really good interview. Um, I read through. Most of it, he, I'm sure he talked about a lot of this in his book as well. If you've read it, um, yeah. he probably went into more detail in his book, but really good interview. Grant Wall does objectively really good work. Um, and his podcast, he, it's a really good podcast. Uh, he talks to a lot of people about a lot of things and, um, in and around soccer around the world. And, uh, Nathan was on his latest episode. It's about an hour long. Check it out. Love it. Good stuff. That Thanks for your report, Trevor. You're welcome. Natum and uh, Demir were together this last weekend. If I, yeah, yeah. they were. My they, eyes don't deceive me. Demir posted on Instagram <laughs> something about how happy he was to be together again. I love and to see that. Like their families were hanging out. It was really cool. Yeah, oh, he did cool. also talk about him first coming over to MLS and how he came to be at RSL. Um, again, I'm sure this. I haven't read his book, so I don't know if this is covered in his book. Um, but he talked about how he was a free agent when he was 30, 31 is when he came over 
and he'd had a long successful career in England and was coming off of several good years with QPR and thought he would have a lot of good Premier League offers um, being an experienced player over there um, or at the very least enticing championship offers and he was talking about how they just weren't really there and that's kind of how MLS came into the picture and when he talked to his agent and talked to different players and different people everybody suggested that he goes to like a coastal team like a Miami or New York or LA because that's where MLS is good and (laughs) then Salt Lake well that's where like most of them went to because it's a good town so even if you aren't on a very good team you're enjoying the town um but uh he then talked about how salt lake came in with an offer and he'd only ever heard of salt lake because of the olympics never been here never cared to visit never had any interest in salt lake but uh salt lake gave him a pretty good offer and in, the key he said was that it was for a couple of years um it was like a two-year deal with an option for a third and by that point he'd be like 34 35 and like looking at retirement so um he felt it was secure he could move his family here and be here for a while plan to be here for a while anyway um and right before he was coming lafc put in an offer for him oh really his agent was telling him like you can go and talk to salt lake but don't like you're not going to salt lake um don't go to salt lake we're we're not going to entertain a salt lake offer like you don't want to play in salt lake who was his agent Um, but then he came to salt lake loved the facilities loved the mountains loved everything about salt lake thought it was a great town and then that's about the time that (laughs) that's about the time the lafc offer came in and everybody was like yeah take the lafc offer that's obviously a better team and a better place a better city you should do that but the difference for him he basically said was that the lafc offer was for the remainder of that mls season because this was in the summer as well so the remainder of that and an option for the next. Yeah. So I think the remainder of 18 and, and an option for 20 or 19. Um, and he was basically just like, I'm not going to move all my family out to LA for a couple of months and then potentially only one more year. Like that doesn't make sense. So then he ended up choosing Salt Lake and he just fell in love with it and loved everything. <laughs> most everything about his time <laughs> in Salt Lake. Him. Yeah, that's right. Sure did. Wow. That's right. Anyway, great interview. Good job all around. We love Natum. We do. We really, really do. Wow. Remember, I still, it's running still so crazy. in Portland. That was <laughs> so, a weird, beautiful That was moment. a very funny, random thing to have, open, have happened. But yeah, he's just, what a, what a class act. I love that guy. Yeah. All love right. Love well. that guy. Should we talk uh, the Dallas game? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess so. So one note I have here is that this was the uh, fifth time that RSLs come back from a deficit to secure a win or draw. A second okay. draw gained from such a position this season. And uh, that's the, the long and the short of that. How'd you put that together, Matt? Uh, updates to the form guide which you will see publicly soon. I just need to make sure I'm not going to crash my servers doing this. Yeah, Uh, that's fair. But before you go thinking that RSL is the comeback team, we look very similar to every other team in MLS. (laughs) Uh, LAFC, (laughs) who you'd expect to have fewer, actually, 
has five, six, seven uh, comeback results. Inter Miami has a bunch. Columbus Crew have a bunch. Comeback Atlanta results United going down, losing position to get a draw or a win. Get Correct. A result. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Any, any to get points. And actually, it was uh, the an interesting thing here. RSL's fourth such result on the road, uh, and we've had mm. just one at home. So I mm. thought that was interesting, especially because we have not had a great home record. Given the narrative? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the home, Given home thing is narrative, I should astounding. say. Uh, but, like, how many times have we gone down at home first? You know? Like, I don't even Ooh. know how many times that's happened. I don't I know, know, but I'm going to take a given up goals. That. We've given up goals to lose points at home, but I'm trying to remember other than the Dallas game, which we went down at home and then lost 1-0. Uh, I don't know how many... And LAFC... We obviously were down first. Yeah. Dallas. Um, I can't remember how many, but anyway, those are the right, first. I took ones. a note. I'll add that to the form guide. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Um, yeah, so we uh, gave up a goal in the first 15 minutes again, which I like. Yeah. I don't know what is what is the deal with that. Like we. We know that this is that like we we did the same thing the week before or to the Seattle game. They just called it back. So and it was yeah. literally mere seconds after they showed the graphics saying how big of a problem it was for us. <laughs> and they did it again. And like it was through some like pretty weak defending, but also some, I guess, like nice play from Sebastian Legette, who we mentioned as being a very underrated trade trade uh, piece that they received. Did, was it a trade that got him? I don't know how they got Yeah, him. he was traded for... Oh, it's escaping me now. But yeah, he was traded. Yeah, so he did, had some nice play, and then they scored, and then... Uh, yeah, I mean, this was... This is a weird game, I feel like. I wasn't particularly impressed by uh, what we did in the first half, um, I'd say. But... I don't know. What do you? What did you guys like from the first half? Who was playing well? I don't even. <laughs> I don't know that anybody tr- like was on either yeah. side, right? No, it was. Yeah, just, I, it wasn't. I feel a great like the game. first half was just generally a very bad half of soccer. Yeah, yeah, Dallas wasn't playing particularly well. Not a lot of good things going on. Very few chances created. Um, it was very like. Possession, I'm just looking at the numbers now, was like straight up 50-50. Um, yeah. Just not a lot going on. Um, let's see. We had a couple moments where like Jasper Lofeson put in a really hard tackle, got a yellow card for it, but I don't know. I thought it was it was whatever. Chang got a yellow card in the first half as well. Um, but yeah, like it was a pretty slow first half all, all around. Um I'm trying to let me pull up Ruiz the at the crossbar in the first half. Is that the first um, half or the second half? We were going. You're right. That was the first half. So he, Ruiz had he, another shot from distance. Yeah, he dinged the crossbar in the first half, and then in the second half, he had the free kick that was saved onto the crossbar. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that free so kick maybe, was fantastic. Yes, it really we should, was. We it should was talk really about Sergio Cordova in this game. <sighs> we should what? Talk about Sergio Cordova. Okay. Why? So there, there was one moment 
It was the we worst. Had, we, we had a great run up the right channel. And was it, I forget who had the ball. Was it Saverino or? So there was Chan- the final. I don't remember that. It was, it was a three, it was like a three person uh, play between, among Saverino, Cordova, and I, I, I think it was Saverino, but Chang definitely. Chang was like the, um, cause, oh, the, the ball fell to Chang, did it not? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, sorry. We, okay. Before that, we also had a penalty that was called back. <laughs> Miram was taken out. Uh, oh, like rightfully called back, by the way. We should yeah. make that clear. Like it, it looked was like correct. a penalty in lifetime. And then in, on review, like just straight up got it wrong. Yeah. So what, what Matt's referring to is in the 35th uh, minute, Saverino takes a really nice shot from outside the box. And just, I mean, it was right at the keeper, but he hit it with a lot of pace where uh, he couldn't deal with it. And the ball falls directly to Chang, um, who's able to control it. And there's this moment where he controls the ball and he's not in a shooting position. He's like a little too wide. But what he's done, he's pulled a defender onto like that goal line. And right behind that defender is Sergio Cordova, who just stands there. Even though I, I thought it was pretty clear that Chang was going to be playing the ball to him. And yeah. he's just he just like, like watches the ball go in front of him and then they clear it out. Like it was so weird in real time and it, it reminded me of the week before when the like the deflection went right to him and he kind of just like com- was completely unprepared for it his like anticipation of what takes place here was just really not good like i don't know what he's doing with his positioning where he's making him he's taking himself completely out of the play and then when there's an opportunity for the ball to be played to him he just stops <laughs> i've i've watched it so many times and i don't understand why he did that but uh, would have been, if you ask me, probably a good opportunity for a fourth Sergio Cordova goal in four games. So, but unfortunately, we did not get that on this play. Yeah, well, that, I'm assuming that's the moment you were talking about, Matt. Yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> it, he, he's such an like, yeah, I'm going to say interesting. He's a very interesting player, and not not always in the best ways, and sometimes in really good ways. Uh, just like totally confounding. Uh, how he can lack anticipation so severely in those moments. Yeah. Um, but make like a beautiful run with the ball uh, and, and like anticipate a great pass, like just the prior week. Yeah. Um, he's... And it would have been fun to have four consecutive games of Sergio Cordova goals, because I don't know that that's happened for us at least in a long, long time. Yeah. I don't, I have no idea. Last time we've had a player that scored four and four. And, and certainly I don't mean to say like Cordova is an awful player because of this. Uh, but it's one of those things that if he, I mean, this is why he's an MLS, right? Yeah. He's scored seven goals doing, doing pretty well for himself here. Uh, all things mm. considered. And especially <laughs> lately, uh, not so much in the early days, uh, yeah. but but if he were, I mean, if he had better anticipation, he would probably be playing in the in the Bundesliga right now. Well, that's the thing that's that I've noticed the most about Sergio is he's just how consistent he is at being inconsistent. And I think it is that just exactly what you pointed out is he very often is in the right place, doing the right thing, making the right run, and or making the right passes. Like he often does the right thing 
but then it's just the final step where his brain just like shuts off sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't know what it is that needs to happen to correct that, but there's so many times where like, I mean, just to use the Seattle goal as an example, cause that's the one that I have in my brain right now. Like he makes a great run, receives a great pass, takes a couple of really good touches and then tries a goofy little flick. That's like clearly not a goal scoring move in that instance, but then he recovers very well and scores a goal and it's great. But like, there's so many times uh, in the Dallas game and I'm trying to remember the other one that he had a couple games ago where there was like a great ball put across and it was like the moment that the ball was put across was where he decided to stop his run and then the ball went like two feet in front of him and he didn't reach out or slide or anything and like it clearly would have been a goal. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that we see out of Sergio and that's what's frustrating is like he he gets he takes the first four steps of a five-step process and then on the fifth step his brain just like goes bananas and like (laughs) you either get the right thing to happen or you don't and if you don't it's the exact opposite of what he should be doing and it's just makes for a very frustrating player yeah and And, and certainly (laughs) like he's making smart moves during those initial four steps right yeah he he does the right thing so many times in the build-up and then it's just just the last little thing that he has to do just fails on a lot. And it's it is what it is. Um he's definitely improved over the last several games. Um obviously scoring three goals in three games, like we said, is very impressive and doesn't happen that often um uh, anywhere, and certainly not yeah. in the history of RSL. So like kudos to him. That's really impressive, and that's that's good. Um, and we've been getting him in better in positions more often than we were in the first half of the season. So that's looking good. Um, but seven goals across the season, still not that great. Yeah. Um, good for RSL, which uh, tells you something well, about where I don't we've even been think, for the last te- decade, right? I don't even think it's fair to say that it's good for RSL. Like, because historically speaking, like we usually have two strikers two or three strikers in the 10 to 15 range give or take right in double digits one uh, often in the last five years that striker has been a midfielder but (laughs) playing a striker (laughs) fine we have a winger playing a striker this year so yeah that's true it's similar but different wingers i guess but (laughs) four winger yeah Yeah. anyway i still give him to the end of the year to like really judge him by the season but these last three games, four games, the three games that he scored, I don't want to be totally unfair and be like, that's an outlier because then you're being really unfair. But he scored three goals in three games and across the other 24, he scored four, which it's, it's not good. It all adds up to just one really inconsistent striker. And that's not really a guy that you want to, He's not your clutch guy. He's not your like yeah. you can't rely on that guy to score your goals. So still uh we had that free kick that went off the crossbar, which was going in for sure. A great Pablo Ruiz free uh free kick in the 66th minute. Um and it's just it was a great save. Uh but prior to that, we we actually took we made a triple or we made a double sub. Uh, we took out Chang and Cordova and brought in Rubio Rubin and Anderson Julio, which again was another weird thing where we're playing Rubio Rubin out of 
position again. Uh, but I think I don't I don't really know what Rubio Rubian is at this point. And then in the 68th minute, we brought in Diego Luna um, for Justin Miram, which I thought was great to see. I thought Miram, I thought um, he got some good minutes. And I will also mention that, oh, I think it was after. Our, so we score in the 69th minute from across from Aaron Herrera to Anderson Julio, who I believe is has the most headed goals on this team or is tied with Justin Glad, maybe. With two? Th- he's got, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's two. And I think Silva and Glad probably I think Does Silva have two I can't no he has he he scored on his foot and then he headed another one in so he's got two that's right okay Lad might have two headed goals but anyway Anderson Julio who is pretty clearly our best player in the air because I think he can jump higher than everyone else uh good anticipation too to to he's good at like but I see like he can jump really high. Like he really gets up against the center back and Anderson Julio is not a tall dude by any means. No he's um he's pretty short Five six. I don't, I don't think he's that short, but I think five six sounds right. But I will five, like he's the same. He's five seven. He's the same height as seven with cleats. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I'm I'm five seven with one inch cleats. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a great header. I and it was a great pass from Aaron Herrera uh, to make this game one one. And then like it was a pretty frantic last twenty five minutes of the game. Oh, we had seven minutes of stoppage, so like essentially thirty minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, where. Dallas was pretty desperate to to get three points, and we had some chances. Uh, Rubio Rabin had one of what I thought would be one of the easiest chances he could really put away, and from around the penalty spot, and he puts it wide. Uh, the ball had fallen right to him. The keeper made a super dramatic dive for it. He was shooting between defenders, but he put it wide, and it's just you really hate to see it because that was his that was his shot. And he has that was to, his, he has that to was his moment, moment um, this season, especially when you're getting played like as little as he is and out of position. You got to make the most of those. You just have to. And then in the 89th minute, uh, Dallas blows easily <laughs> like the funniest chance of the game where the where uh I don't know how this guy got as open as he did where they really just can. He makes a good run. I don't know if it's Velasco. I don't know who shoot, shoots that. Um, just he decided to like kind of chip the ball from the penalty spot. And he just f- just chips it very delightfully right to the crowd. So um, the game ends at one one. But like, you know, a- after Sergio Cordova went out and after we scored, I was pretty frustrated. Aside from the Rubio Rubin thing, which came from, you know, the keeper deflecting the ball at him. I was pretty disappointed to see that we continued to just only cross the ball that we weren't playing out of the back at all. We like didn't. I, like, I wanted to see us go for this win, especially at this time of the season when we had just dropped points. We've been dropping points at home. In any other circumstance, you'd be happy with the tie in Dallas maybe earlier in the season. But at this time of the year when we, I mean, at at, at, the, at the end of this weekend, we're in sixth place, right? Yeah. Uh, with the Galaxy on our heels now, who they yeah. won on the road in uh, Foxborough. So, I mean, like we... This would have been a game to really go for it, I think, uh, because that three points would have been huge. And we I thought the chances would have been there. Like we we created a lot of really good chances in this game playing on the ground through the uh, the primary assist zone or whatever. And 
I like there were some chances in the first half where we just couldn't get a foot on the ball, but we we created some decent chances that I wanted to see us continue to try to to do. But after we scored on the cross, it seemed like everything from Brody and Herrera was just like cross, cross, cross and hope we can make a play on the rebound. Like I remember one moment in particular where Diego Luna had a bit of space on the left side, like the 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 front. If you're the keeper, the front right corner, but our attacking left corner of the 18. Um, and he had some space to cut inside, maybe even take a long distance shot, but he had space to go inside and he like played the ball to Brody, who was like pretty close to the goal line to just do like a left footed cross to no one. And I was just, it seemed like we were all like exclusively looking for that over and over and over again. And I just, it's really frustrating sometimes, especially when, I mean, Anderson Julio, good for him for having two headed goals on the season. But he's not like a target striker and, and like no one on this roster is. And so like without Demir Krylock, it's it's just like it seems pointless to just continue going for that cross. I'm glad it paid off with with this one because it will every once in a while. But it felt like we learned the wrong lesson there where the game was really for the taking. And I just felt like we were wasting what I thought was a pretty shoddy Dallas defense in this game. Um, but yeah, I'm going to slightly disagree. I love what I think, you did. I think as far as like the the way that we played, like I think you're exactly right. I think that the crossing into the box thing, I'd rather Diego Luna take a shot and like try to, you know, go in. But that's all about tactics and player positioning. And I I that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I disagree with is the idea that like we should have gone for the win in Dallas, and like that would be great. But for a team that has had such a rough um, stretch with like, was it two wins in the last 10 or 11 games? Something like that. Like there's a point where you've just got to like, just do the bare minimum. The bare (laughs) minimum is a point on the road and let's at least prove that we can get a point on the road just to correct the course that we're on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I, I don't. Yeah. That, that doesn't, that's not like a playoff mentality that's not like a championship mentality but as far as like a team that has really lost its way over the last third of the season the last 10 or 12 games like there's something to be said for just meeting the minimum and the minimum in dallas in august is get a point on the road and you'll be happy with that and yeah as far as that goes mission accomplished let's worry about the rest of the stuff when we're at home, let's course correct at home when we're at home and let's, let's try to get points there. And maybe if we play, I don't, I'm not looking at the schedule, but maybe if we play a weaker opponent um, on the road coming up, then we can try to go for the win there. But Dallas historically for RSL and just as a place to play against a, a Western conference team, I'm, like you, I'm not super thrilled about the way that it happened. And I, I felt like we probably could have gotten more out of that game if we had just played a little bit differently and, and, and I had a different mentality or attitude the last 20 minutes of it. But I still struggled to get mad about a point on yeah. the road in Dallas. Well, I, I can't well, really fault I, the team for that. I, that's what's I, I don't fully buy that, like playing a different way would have been more inherently risky to the I, I think. In fact, like re- relying that heavily on on crossing, I think can sometimes be more risky because you're like Andrew Brody is on the goal line playing a cross away from the goal line toward the 18. Like he's more out of position there than he could like possibly be anywhere else on the field, essentially, aside from like the uh, like per- uh, 
like flipped over onto the onto the right wing. Like he's he's pulled himself well, 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 well out of position in order to play this cross, which could sure. easily be punched forward by the keeper, creating like a, a very dangerous counterattack. And I, I think that like sometimes relying that heavily on crosses, like we saw in Vancouver, for instance. Remember that ball that Aaron Herrera, like that really ridiculous, like diagonal angled cross that he played that ended up causing the counterattack where he gave up a penalty like we were put yeah. in that position because we were going for the long ball and like i'm saying like i th- i sometimes i think it's safer and potentially more effective to like not be playing with the ball in the air that much because it leaves you more susceptible to counterattacks in my opinion but so i like i think going for the win could have been in in how i feel like we could have gone for the win based on the chances we generated earlier in the game the safer option like i dallas Dallas should have won that game. Like they had that, <laughs> that, that shot from on the, in the 18, that like a better opponent puts that away. Like if, if that, if that's Jesus Ferreira right there, instead of whoever shot that shot, you'd think well, that gets put away. But I was going to say, I, I thought that that shot, maybe I'm thinking of a different one. I thought it was off of Jesus Ferreira. And I think that's why yeah. when that happened, I was like, wow, it that's was, really lucky that we got that number. awful moment from, that player no. it might Jesus not be Ferreira. Jesus Ferreira but it's not because he makes a really good cutting run on the inside which pulls Marcelo Silva away from okay. uh number 19 I think it's number 19 I can't really if it's 19 the, that's Paxton Pomacall uh was it 19 and Pomacall? he was subbed off in the 60 yeah then it's not 19 is it 13 I can't see anyway um, Anyway, it was it was somebody that I remember being like, "Oh, lucky us! That's a let off. Yeah. We we should have, they should have at least had a shot on goal, and had, they had a real chance to go ahead. And that's incredible that that guy missed that that badly." Well, I'm gonna listen to it. I want to know who this was. We're all gonna listen to it, apparently. Yeah, 18. Yeah, I turned it up so people <laughs> would know what was going on. Uh, it's number 18. It's Servania. They're the sub that came in yeah, for that's right. Yeah. So he was the one that shanked it. But like like that, Jesus Ferreira did a like that was like a perfect run to create that space for him. And then like that just usually is a goal. So I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like I, I don't I don't think we should have been pushing everyone forward to like desperately go for this win. I just think that we could have been a bit more choosy and like what we were trying to do with the ball in the final third. But we were just looking for the cross, which I think leaves us very susceptible sometimes. Um, sometimes it's it's you know like when you've got a player that can get on the other on the end of those crosses, like when you have Demir. I still was critical of that strategy sometimes when we had Demir, but at least he was like on the other end of what, ten of those last season. And like we, I mean, it was funny in the post game. Alex Maurer asked Aaron a question about it. I think people <laughs> read a little too much into the way Aaron was saying it because Aaron was essentially like oh I've been providing good service all season like people like I just people haven't been making the most of those chances he hasn't <laughs> I think I I, uh, I don't I can't remember who um, I, I was I was seeing the stats from like what he's been doing there's like key passes etc like he hasn't been providing the same level of service he was last season but that's not necessarily only his fault like there is truth that we just don't have anyone to get on the other end of those so yeah it's definitely it, one of those where it's like Aaron has his idea of how he's been playing, which is going to be a little bit skewed from reality. And we've got our idea of how Aaron's been playing. Yeah. It's probably a little bit skewed, but yeah, it's, it's, 
pretty clear by the numbers and I, the eye test, I think, that he's been doing a lot of the same things, just not nearly as much. And I think his service this year is a little bit worse than it has been in years past. But yeah, not having Demir or a target striker makes a big difference when his goal is to put a cross in. We just don't have dudes who can meet crosses. Yeah. And also like when like the scouting report is probably pretty clear that we don't have big aerial threats, right? Like, yeah. So when that, and like, you know, we might be, uh, the opponents might be trying to force us into a cross there or like be giving us space that we like teams are defending us differently because we don't have Demir Krylock to head, head in crosses. So like, however, Aaron's being played different this year than he was last year. And just by nature of the fact that they might let be letting him do certain things or not do certain things, because we don't have an aerial threat. Like it's probably more advantageous for a lot of teams to let him play some of these crosses in, in certain scenarios because there's no one, no one's going to get on the end of it. Like very rarely. Five, seven guy. Uh, yeah. So was, looking at the stats of, we've got Herrera on 20 total. So 1.04 crosses into the 18 yard box completed per game or per 90 minutes. For this season, right? For this season, which is actually ahead of where he was last year. Yeah, there was uh it was at one point five seven per ninety last year though. So interesting. There was somebody in my mentions, I'm trying to pull it up, that pulled up his I think it was his expected assists. Oh yeah. I can pull that up. Oh my goodness. They used uh, soccer analysis. Oh, it was actually yeah, used so ref, I thought let's see. It, it, it was rich that that post that responded to uh, uh, Alex video key pass of 2021 117 key pass of 2022 61 uh, score creating passes in 2021 65 score creating passes 2022 29 completed crosses into the 18 and 2021 26 completed crosses into the 18 2022 17 so that's what you're saying at this point in the year he's ahead of where he was last year yeah um Slightly. Yeah, but I agree. Like, I agree with Rich here where I mean, like. The yeah, I, t- I and I think Aaron's just had like a down year, and I think that, uh, you know, not having yeah, Demir is a piece of that, but also yeah. just like there have been other just in general. I've been frustrated with certain things about Aaron this year. But yeah, anyway, it was uh, the numbers I was talking about were goal creating actions per 90, which I think is pretty similar to what you were talking about. But yeah. I was talking specifically about the difference in like how Brody attacks the goal and creates yeah. chances and Herrera creates chances. And I was just saying, it seems like Herrera tries to create chances through crosses and Her- Brody through passes on the ground. The, right. The one player on the team who does yeah, that, right? Brody has, is our leading progressive passer. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, there are times and, when Brody has crossed the ball successfully and we've scored, but like he does feel way more dangerous in a way that Aaron doesn't a lot of the time. Yeah, and, and it's a little bit unfair because Brody's only been like an RSL player for these past two seasons, and Herrera's been there a couple of years. But Brody consistently last year and this year is at 0.16-ish goal-creating actions per 90. Um, last year, Aaron Herrera was at 0.5 per 90, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, but every other year, he like so far this year, is 0.05. Um, 2020, 0.05, 2019, 0.2, 2018.07. Like last year was clearly an outlier for Aaron Herrera. I don't think he's I, I don't think it's 
so much that there's not a guy at the end of the that can put the ball away. I think it's simply that his crosses aren't as dangerous. There's not as many of them. They're not as successful, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, I think it's part kind of, of night and day between last year and this year. Yeah, I think part of it is just our our strategy and the attack is much less goal focused, right? Uh, which is seems a little weird to say, but you can <laughs> see it in the goals scored, right? Like we don't need to go further than that to see that ourselves not a good goal scoring team. And when you're not no. a good goal scoring team, everybody's stats net like focused around creating chances and assists and expected yeah. assists just naturally suffer, right? Yeah. And and I think that that points squarely back to the coach. And I'm not going to say like we would be a better team if we scored more goals. Certainly like if we scored more goals and didn't give up more goals, that would be great. That'd be and a very brave take. Um, I know. I only <laughs> go for the brave takes here. Uh, but at the same time, like, I mean, I guess this is who we are. So these, these numbers are probably like we expect a depression than those numbers, uh, even with similar positioning and similar ranking. Just because we are a bad goal scoring team. Yeah. <laughs> like one one of the bottom what eight in the league in goals scored? Something like that, yeah. It's not yeah, great. It's just looking at it. Speaking but of before being... not giving up a lot of goals, then uh I guess you can stomach it. Yeah, I I, I really wonder how a healthy well, Demir Krylock changes this team, but it's hard to say. Uh, yeah, the at hard the part of the day, for me we... there is we could have accounted for that. At the beginning, know. you know, in two transfer windows, and we didn't. <clears throat> I know. Uh, yeah, well, the, the bigger question is, I wonder how, like, a healthy or just, like, uh, DP striker changes the team. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another conversation we had, like, if we had somebody who could score 15 goals a year. Yeah. Like, consistently. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of... Even in the, like, scope of the team that surrounds them, like... Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, that'd be uh, pretty so cool. Is speaking of uh, the standings, basically, we mentioned the RSL is in sixth place. Uh, LA Galaxy played ye- yesterday, Sunday, whenever that was. They played the Revs recently, mm-hmm. and that brought them that win brought them into seventh place, the final playoff spot. They do have one game in hand on Salt Lake, and they are two points behind Salt Lake. Um, Salt Lake, however, has a game in hand on Nashville and Dallas, who is ahead of them, and they are tied with Nashville on points. So, like, there's a couple people on Twitter, like, going through the numbers. I think Colin was one of them. Um, just talking about, like, we're down to the part of the season where you can start talking about, like, how many more points do we need realistically to get to a playoff spot? Yeah. Um, just based on how much the Western Conference is going to beat up on itself. Over the next however many games are left in the season, what is it? Seven? Eight? Uh we have Is it thirty-four games in the season? Yeah. Thirty-four. Something like that. And then seven for RSL. Yep. So over the next seven games for RSL, yeah. we're at thirty-nine points. At the beginning of the season, we said fifty was kind of I think it was between forty eight and fifty was kind of Yeah, that's generally the target, the, I guess, the, to make the playoffs. watermark. Um so over the next seven games, we gotta find a way to get Oh, let's see if Trevor can do math. Nine and 11 points. Mm. But again, depending on how much the West beats up on itself. Wait, I thought, wasn't this last game like a nine point points. game? So shouldn't we have gotten three <laughs> points for it? If it's a nine point game and we tie, you get a third or, of the points. Or a half. 
Oh, well, no, you're right. No, because yeah, right. the tie, you got to split the points. Yeah, so I you think know, it was, we did out. get three. Okay, so are you guys familiar with our head-to-head record against Minnesota? Don't look it up if you haven't, if you're not. Oh, mm, can I? T- it's well, not great. Tell me first how many games there are. Okay, in the we've head-to-head. played Minnesota 12 times. What do you 12? think the breakdown is between uh, wins, draws, and losses for RSL? Like four, home and away, or, or do you want specifically? Just total. I don't know. Total, home I think we've beat them twice. Correct. And oh, I think nice. we've tied them not that many times, like maybe three or four. We've tied five. We've lost five, tied five, won twice against oh. Minnesota. Which is kind of why I thought it was very funny. Isn't that pretty wild? One we, of those games was the one in Minnesota. Yeah, that was the David Ochoa game. That was the David Ochoa game. I don't know what the other one was, but I mean, I can. Uh, we've, we, we beat also them have, April 24th, 2021. That was the, minute, the one in Minnesota. And then we beat them. That was the Ochoa game. In Salt Lake in 2017. <laughs> wow. Th- wasn't we that the first we, year in the league? Uh, yeah, first year in the league was 2017, yeah. Which they beat us every time, that both times that season. They beat us. We beat them tw- twice in five years. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a good record. And they're again, third so. in the league right now. And Are they third in the league? Or sorry, in the West, right? In our league. Yeah. Um, they are sixth in the AFC. entire league. <laughs> just behind New York City FC. I mean, and they, yeah, they're like a pretty good-ish team right now. They're weird. I like don't, I don't know what to think about them ever, but um, I mean, yeah. Uh, Reynoso has been super good. Amaria has been good. Um. They are on a three-game win streak. They have beaten Houston, which, you know, whatever, um, Austin, and Nashville over the last three games. Those are (laughs) – Austin and Nashville in the last three games is crazy. Yeah. Like, they're two and fifth, second and fifth right now in the West. I mean, that's those are, like, good wins. That is a good Um, time to get hot. Yeah. And I'm just, like, worried about this game. Fire. So, okay, we've talked about RSL has – Two wins in their last 10 matches or 11 matches, whatever it is, without looking it up. How many losses, zero-point games, do you think uh, Minnesota has had in their last 10? Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm going to say like 12 or 13. Let me count. Maybe like two or three. I remember because I watched I watched their game against Colorado. They lost a really weird one against Colorado, and then they drew against Portland, and I watched both of those games, and they scored like – they scored four goals in the draw against Col- uh, Portland and then maybe three against Colorado. Um, you are exactly right on those okay, two games. I watched both of those. Uh, the I don't know. 11 league games. Oh, dude, How many they... games do they get zero points? You were right about the Colorado. One? It's one. It's just the one. Colorado game. One time they've gotten zero points. They it's tied back to June 25th. <laughs> they tied twice, once against Sporting and once against Portland in that 4-4 game. Oh, Every crap. other game, <laughs> Galaxy, RSL, Vancouver, DC United, oh. Houston, they even beat Everton 4 in there. Houston <laughs> all wins, 3 points. <laughs> and Everton, don't forget they beat Everton 4-0. <laughs> I mean, is that really saying they anything? Beat Everton now? 4-0. <laughs> they uh, beat Vancouver on the road in that stretch, Houston on the road. Um, Nashville on the road in Shoot. that stretch. <laughs> As I'm nervous about the teddy bear thing. 
Well, hold well, on. To let's, be fair, they've given up many... a goal in every single game except for that the DC true. United game. That's true. They're leaky. Perfect. Problem but, solved. Oh my the goodness gracious! Okay. But this is also the team who managed to lose to Union Omaha in the Open Cup. I mean. Oh, that yeah. was after beating Colorado and forward Madison in the same open cup. Oh, let well, me say one again. Can't relate. <laughs> um, anyway, Minnesota, all that to say Minnesota is on a tear. Yeah, um, they're pretty good. This is a bad RSL time. For is not, fine, so like not a good time. <laughs> this is like this. This is a statement win type of game that you like. You have to. We have to be winning these games at the end of the season at home. Mm hmm. And yeah. I'm trying to not be extremely worried about it, but it's not looking. I mean, Galaxy have a game in hand on us. They have 37 points. That's two fewer than we have. Uh, Timbers are just outside the playoffs. Luckily, most of the teams right outside the playoffs have played one more game than us. That's the Timbers, the Whitecaps. Um, and the Sounders, Sounders are still just kind of lurking back there. Um, I don't know. I think what I think is probably like most likely for us for it to us for to happen would be for us to drop to seventh, and I think we end in seventh this season. Is my is my guess? Yeah, I mean that's kind of where we've been with this team like all season. I don't they, think we we think that they're probably going to make the playoffs, but like just barely. I don't think the teams on the outside of the playoffs are going to put it together enough to to take over take us over. But I don't think we're gonna take be able to be in control enough to like move up in the playoffs. Like we're not getting a playoff home game. I don't think. No. Do you and think, without looking at the standings, because I know you guys are probably looking at it right now, without looking at the standings again, does Seattle have more wins than Salt Lake? Ooh, I don't think so. Do they? The There's answer no is way. no. They okay. both have ten wins. <laughs> All right. Well. The draws will Seattle is currently 10th in the standings. RSL is currently 6th. We have 6 more points than Seattle. But the difference is that we've drawn 9 and they have drawn 3. That's so many. They lost a lot of games. I mean, as far as playoff. losses for Seattle. Seattle is a really weird team this year. And as far as like playoff teams with a goal differential, we're the only one that has a negative goal differential. Obviously, that New York City FC game is kind of... uh, the big one here but um you know everyone else has played new york city fc too <laughs> uh no inter, yeah. inter miami if you're looking at the western conference it's true inter miami also is in a playoff spot but has a much worse uh goal differential same yeah, way t- well, the east east is always super weird i don't know what their deal is yeah, I don't um, want the East. Orlando and Inter Miami are both on. No, sorry. Orlando is on 39 points. Inter Miami is on 36. Orlando has a negative six goal differential, and Inter Miami has a negative 10 compared to RSL's negative one and 39 points. Philadelphia Union have a 37 plus 37 goal differential. Dude, yeah, Philadelphia is the best team in the league super... by like a million miles. <laughs> by oh. Best team in the league. I mean, they started oh, out right super now? slow. They started out super slow. We're scoring barely any goals and they have more uh, like I think it's five or six goal margin wins than anyone in MLS history. And they've all come this season. So they have no team in MLS has more than like four six oh wins or something like that. 
Philadelphia has four and they're all from 2022. Matt Doyle was tweeting out that. I think wow. it's six. It might be like five oh or something. I don't know. Yeah, but they just keep No, it's it's four. They so they beat Colorado. Yeah, but is it six nil? Is it six goal goal margins? A, well, hang on, we're getting there. It's six nil to Colorado at home, six nil to DC United in DC, back to back. Those are the last two weeks. Uh, it gets better. Six nil to Houston at home uh, back in July, and then seven to nil, DC United at home. So that's four games with at least a six goal margin of victory this season. Two of them are against DC, which is very funny as far as yeah. like rivalry games go, but really tragic for DC. Yeah, that's 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 really brutal. Um, I will see, also DC twice this year, that. and they have beat them thirteen to nothing. Oh yeah, so Philadelphia. It's by it was Opta Jack have the most wins by six or more goals by any team in MLS history. Four, all four wins have come in the last ten games. It's not even just the season; <laughs> they're all within the last ten games. It's incredible, dude. The Union are yeah. So that's where your thirty-seven cool. goal differential comes from. They won't stop yeah. duping. Yeah. Um, did you guys see? You know the the account Sexy MLS passes. Yes. They posted Nick Ramondo's like drop kicks from 2016. Oh, they only have they only had two each time, right? They're so good. Yeah, but they, they only had they two had, in there. Oh, it, yeah, in that video, like a seven second video. It's really like I know. it's it's like that's a what vine, made me mad, I was like, you could do a two minute video of those things. I miss having a keeper that could do that so much. Yeah. That (laughs) That kid wanted to do that, right? Oh my. And Zach 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 wanted to do that. Man, I, here's the thing. No, no disrespect to Zach McMath. He did almost did it again in the Dallas game. I forgot to mention when he like did like a weird clearance and just cleared it like 15 yards to the (laughs) Dallas attacker, but he was able to get back in time where he wasn't just like chipped, but it was, it's so weird. His, his play out of the back sometimes is just, I mean, if we're just going to kick the ball back to Zach McMath so he can clear it, how about one of the defenders just clears it instead? Because I'm sick of like risking. <laughs> if that's the plan for him to just clear it, just take it into your own hands and you do it instead, please. Yeah. But, it's uh, yeah. almost like Zach McMath has been a perennial MLS backup goalkeeper. That is and true. there's clear flaws in his game. Yeah. The good thing, though, I, is I that... I like Zach, but there's definitely times when it's like, not a good goalkeeper like yeah. he's yeah he's he's like jeff Antonella. like he could be a starter in mls for not a great team but yeah, he yes. shouldn't be your starting goalkeeper <laughs> like he's the, he's the guy that like if he's your starting goalkeeper you're struggling at goal we're like we're like a year from from the beavers takeover so don't worry i mean don't worry gonna be, wait is it beavers that's the older one i don't know is, but is i'm gonna go to college first I'm going all. I'm going chips in on Beavers. No, he can't go to college. He signed a professional contract. Yeah, oh, not allowed. He could still go, you go to college. To, you can only go to the one that Tim right. Howard went to. You can go to college, but you can't, can't play in the NCAA if you've signed a professional deal. You go to the U and play on their club team. <laughs> Does the U have a men's club team? Pro- I'm probably. Recreational? I don't know. No, here, here's what he could do. He could go to BYU's semi-pro team or whatever, and then he could be loaned to Real Salt Lake from BYU. There you go. That would be incredible. BYU <laughs> Cougars. Because don't they have like, their teams, I guess, they play in like a weird 
they used to play they used to play in the um pdl yeah and then i think they went to a club team and now i think they actually joined like a league but it's like a really stupid league i'm trying to look the reality is that's probably going to be jeff dusna before uh beavers but i'm still all in on beavers or thomas gomez i guess but i'm just putting a photo of gavin beavers in the chat (laughs) that's that that's so old i saw him make i saw him have the most swagged out performance against chelsea u21s in the penalty shootout so now I'm, i'm like obsessed with him i want him to play and he that. is huge. He's like, he's six four. He doesn't look six four in that picture. He looks twelve years old. Yeah, so. he probably anyway, is. He's seven, seventeen now. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, the NIRSA, whatever that is, the NIRSA National Nursa League, whatever. I don't know. They They're played. the leaders in college recreation, Trevor. I can't believe you don't know that. Dude, I here's the I'm thing. I used to watch BYU men's soccer, and then they were in PDL, it. and it was like kind of fun for a little bit. And then they went to club soccer. And to be honest, like I, sorry, I can't get excited about club soccer at the collegiate level. Like you're mm-hmm. not really even trying at that point. All right, I found. <laughs> so now it's just NURSA. They've they've yeah. dropped it as an acronym. Okay, which is crazy to me. Um, but it's a, it was until 2012 the. National Intramural Recreational Sports Association. Yeah, it's like it's intramurals. Like it's yeah. Well, well, how am I supposed to care at all now, about so. intramurals when, on the other hand, the BYU women's team went to the national championship game last year, lost yeah. it in a penalty shootout. Yeah, like I'm going to get way more excited about that. By the Good. way, quick shout out: they are ranked number nine, and they just played their home opener. Against uh, Colorado and tied two two, so huh. they're in the in the season. Go to some BYU women's games because they're incredible. All right, maybe I'll come down. BYU women have graduated. Uh, I think they have four players that are in NWSL currently, and one of them's on the U.S. national team. So, shout out BYU women's soccer. That's pretty good. Ashley Hatch, by the way, that's the one that's on the national team yeah all right well anything else about minnesota <laughs> or any um bring a, teddy bear. bring a teddy bear bring a teddy bear bring a teddy bear bring a teddy bear throw it on the field adrian heath continues to be my least favorite coach in the league but i, hate I mean he's been better than us for a while so yeah good for him hmm. hate him I wonder who my least favorite like team him. or uh, coach in the league is. Uh, he probably used to be Gary Smith, but like now oh, he's yeah. actually like he's got two. He's been a really good coach. He won a championship, and now he's coaching Nashville to be pretty good. So, oh, it's Caleb Porter. Oh, I don't like. Yeah, jeez, yeah. I forgot about Caleb Porter. Shout out to Mark Kastner. Uh Caleb Porter ruined our our weekend. Really, I decide i've been thinking of doing this for like the last several weeks and i finally like pulled the trigger where like i just tweet out before a huge slate of games like to have people just tweet bets to me that they think are gonna happen and i'll just like place the bets and see what happens and mark was the first one to give me a three-game parlay and 
all three picks I think came in except for the Nashville one. Mm. But no, not Nashville. Uh, Columbus. He whoever Columbus was playing. That's right. Columbus was playing Nashville. He said Nashville would win. Columbus tied it in the last second. Um, I think, or was it Cincinnati? I don't remember. Whoever Columbus played, Caleb it was ruined uh, it. It was Cincinnati because Pat Noonan yeah, freaked was, out about the call he thought was wrong, but it was not wrong. That's what it was. He thought Cincinnati would win, and then they tied in the last minute and ruined it. Mm-hmm. And it was Caleb Porter. Always Caleb Porter. Did you guys our see uh, LA Galaxy's one of LA Galaxy's new summer signings come in and make a big difference? Yes. Make uh, that incredible pass. Ricky Pooch. Ricky, Ricky Puig. His name's Pooch. not Ricky, but his last name is Puig or Puig or Pooch. However, Pooch. I think, that's, pronounced in Spanish? I think that's how you say it. I just know because cool. uh, Yasiel Puig is from Cuba, played baseball, and that's how. Yeah, it's because he's Catalan. He's Catalonian. He's from. He's from Catal. He's Catalan. Is that how you say it? Catalan or Catalan? Whatever. He's from Cat Catalonia. He, he's from the yeah. part of Spain that. I was reading his name on things differently. I was reading the thread on Reddit, and they somebody was like, "Yeah, that's actually how you say it in Catalan." Catalan, whatever. Okay. So I could be wrong. It, 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 yeah, if I'm wrong, just yell at me. I won't pay attention. People have been yelling about this podcast recently, and I don't know what's going on. I have a job and I can't read Twitter all day. <laughs> but uh, you, you most can DM me, can, by the way, but whatever. <laughs> I have been choosing not to because it's a big distraction. So DM me if you want to get mad at me i'd prefer you to just that do that because then i'll see I, it and like pronouncing names correctly is like the right thing to do so we should I learn how so to pronounce too. his name correctly but yeah. it's spelled ricard puig puig <laughs> so we'll learn how to pronounce his name correctly but yes he had an outstanding pass that was very poorly defended by the revs um oh was it the it one is, he brought down it on is his chest poop. Yeah, a like lot of the uh, his chest and then just one timed it to a streaking Chicharito who was one on one with the keeper and scored. Why is Chicharito streaking? Okay, uh, it is. Streaking, it is definitely pooch. You probably have to. I mean, you, you'd get a yellow card for streaking at least. Do you think you'd get a I red card if I you took off your streaking. shorts too? Yes, because it's a uh, um, uh, it's a uh, define. What's the word they use? Explicit gesture or something? Anyway, yeah, it would what be if you cover it would probably fall under that category. Mm, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we'll learn how to say his name properly, and we'll be back next week to teach you all about it. Maybe Kyle already but do knows. We play, do we play LA again? Oh, we do play LA again. <laughs> yeah. They're the second to last game of the season, and they play yeah. in LA, and I'm probably still planning on going. Good. I'll be in LA for that game anyway. Whether or not I go is still up in the air, but you should go i should go but like i've been to away games before where i'm one of like three fans to go and i'm really worried that like we'll either be in the very thick of the playoff race and that game's going to mean an awful lot yeah or we're going to be like out of the playoff race and that game's going to mean nothing that sounds and I fun, feel like if if it means nothing i'm going to be one of like 12 people there and it's not going to be like a big supporter section it's just going to be like 12 people who happen to be in la in the supporter section and like i don't mind that but 
you're just gonna get yelled at and heckled all game and it's like I, guys i'm just i'm just trying to watch a game like we can get you uh, in the press box could we yeah for sure okay if there's only gonna be like 10 people there get me in the press box that'd be great we'll we'll, we'll talk we'll uh send some letters i don't i mean yeah something like that <laughs> <laughs> all right well there was one thing i wanted to add but i've completely forgotten what it was well, let's check the doc, see if it was on there. It was oh, not. It's not. Nope. Well, ending this early, uh, 13 minutes before our normally scheduled two hours will give me time to finish the last episode of The Boys. So. Oh, there you go. Perfect timing, if you ask me. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been real. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I was going to say. Somebody paid me to do it. That was pretty Ironically, that it's been real. That's pretty uh, good. Then you said Real and that. Never mind. Yeah. Ruin Can't it. Both. I'm happy yeah. to ruin things for you, Trevor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to. Are, are both of you going to be there on Wednesday for a glorious midweek outing? I will be there. Wednesday. On oh, Wednesday. my goodness. Um, I love a Wednesday game. I actually know what I'm going to be doing for work on Wednesday, which is a little bit unusual. Um, and it's going to suck, but I should be home with plenty of time to get up to the game. So, yes. Yeah, so is it 730 kickoff? Yeah. 7 30 kickoff we've got another heat wave going right now which is just so obnoxious i'm so yeah. over the heat yeah i can't do it anymore you and me both well get Whatever. used to it buddy <sighs> all right guess what <laughs> nothing but the up and up it's looking good guess dude bad news for you as far as the future and heat waves are concerned yeah and they're glaciers. only coming down and glaciers <laughs> Well, on that happy note, good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.